Hey, what's up? This is episode 081, Topical Zoom. We're talking about entrepreneurship, specifically the 10% entrepreneur. Let's do it. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking Podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is another Topical Zoom episode and I'm so excited to be talking about a topic that's extremely close to my heart, which is doing side projects. Well, we've talked about this in multiple forums. We've talked about this in this uh, podcast episodes and also we've talked about it in my newsletters. What I really love about uh, side projects is it's a great way for us to try out something that's um, that's something that we are passionate about and also it gives us a chance to try out, you know, what it's to be like an entrepreneur. Well, not completely, but in, in some sense, it gives you a, a, an idea of what it takes to getting something off the ground from the scratch. And, and also, it helps you understand various skills that is not connected to, you know, a product management skill or a product design skill. Well, today we are talking about this topic. We're talking about side projects and specifically, we're talking about what it's to be a part-time entrepreneur or in our guest words, it's what it takes to be a 10% entrepreneur. Well, if that's intriguing enough, I'd love to introduce you to today's guest. And and yes, this conversation as well went on pretty long. So we are going to hear him across two episodes, this one and the next one, which is 81 and 82, episodes 81 and 82. All right, let's jump right in and let me first introduce you to today's guest. Our guest today is a venture capitalist and private equity investor who founded Durigo Advisors after a decade on Wall Street to provide strategic advice to investors, entrepreneurs, and fast-growing businesses. He's the author of The 10% Entrepreneur, published by Penguin Books. He also writes for Business Insider, Huffington Post, Boston Magazine, and Forbes. He's credited by the Boston Magazine with coining the term FOMO, or fear of missing out, a term popular, made popular by millennials and digital junkies that was added to the Oxford Dictionary back in 2013. He is a graduate of the Harvard Business School and Georgetown University and lives in New York City. All right, let's jump right in and let's welcome Patrick McGuinness. Patrick, welcome to the show. Super thrilled to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So, so Patrick, I mean, you are, like I said, you know, I introduced a, a second ago, venture capitalist, you've written books, and also you call yourself this 10% entrepreneur. So in the next 30 odd minutes, let's try to dive deeper into this, Patrick, the 10% entrepreneur, and maybe at the later part of the show, let's um, visit your alter ego and uh, talk to the venture capitalist in you as well. Sure, I'd be happy. Both both of them are here today, so we can talk to both of them. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Let's do it. So, uh, let's let me start by asking this uh, rather ignorant question. Can you tell about uh, tell us about this whole ten percent entrepreneur story? How did it all begin, and uh, what what do you really mean by this? 
uh, just so that my listeners get the full view of it. Yeah. So the the just to to lay out the, what a ten percent entrepreneur is. A ten percent entrepreneur is somebody who spends at least ten percent of their time, and if possible, ten percent of their money, hmm. investing, advising, starting, getting involved with entrepreneurial ventures. So that's really what what the whole concept is about. But this was something that I sort of came upon because of life circumstance and a bunch of stuff that happened to me. Hmm. And basically the the story is that I was, um, I I was very much in the corporate world working at a large private equity and venture capital firm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had gone to Harvard business school and was very much a corporate type of person Mm -hmm. and never really thought about entrepreneurship as something that I would do. And then in 2008, during the global financial crisis, my employer, AIG, um, was very affected by the global financial crisis. It was sort of like at the center of the storm. And the company was taken over by the U.S. government, and they took away our bonuses, and it was a total disaster. And I realized that I had never wanted to be an entrepreneur because I had always thought that I had this very stable and predictable path. And in fact – the path that I thought was was so predictable and stable was as dangerous and or risky as being an entrepreneur. And so it occurred to me that maybe I should be more open-minded about about being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't sort of sure of what I wanted to do exactly. And I wasn't sure how I wanted to get started. And so I thought to myself, you know, maybe there's a way to try being an entrepreneur, test it out, see what I think of it, but without leaving my day job. And so I started doing things on the side. I decided to take 10% of my money, Mm-hmm. and 10% of my time and work on side projects. And that was how I got started. And then as I started doing them, I found that actually not only was I making more money and 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 and, and actually creating a lot of value and upside for mm-hmm. myself, but I was having a lot of fun and learning what it meant to be an entrepreneur. And so now today, uh, about five years later, I have over 20 different projects that I've done on the side. Wow. That's a big number. And you you... Did you- I know you seem you, you just stopped in shock there. <laughs> no, the 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 point is right. I mean, uh, I've seen. I mean, this whole concept of taking a, a percentage of your time and doing something is it's not it's not too new. But then, what I, I mean is there is there a magic behind the number ten? Um, I mean, I I know you t- took ten percent, and Google talks about twenty percent of your time. So, is there a um, philosophy or a logic that you uh, apply to that, or how does it go? Yeah, you're, so you're right. It's it's true that um, you know people have been doing this for a long, long time. In fact, this has always been part of the world of entrepreneurship. But what mm-hmm. I realized, there are a couple of reasons why I thought it was special. Number one is I felt like I was giving a name to something that was happening, but that it hadn't really been sanctioned or you know, people hadn't thought, you know, this is okay, you can do this. Right. And number two is it's oftentimes been done within the world of entrepreneurship, but it's not necessarily necessarily been done within the wider world where people who work in large corporations have been told, you know, you should be thinking about doing this. This is something that everybody should be doing as part of their career. So that's why I, 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 I wanted to give a name to it. Hmm. Um, in terms of the 10%, the 10%, I actually originally, uh, funny enough, thought of doing 20%. And I realized mm-hmm. that uh, it, was, it was too much time and too much capital. It wasn't something that was sustainable over the medium and or long term. And so as I started doing it, I just tested what I thought was realistic and 10% felt about right. And then I thought about the concept of a tithe, which is, you know, a concept that many religions Mm -hmm. have of giving 10% 
to somebody else. And, and in fact, that number is both meaningful. You can actually have an impact, but it's also achievable for most people. So it just felt like a fair number. And in fact, as I started researching the book, I found that the average person who was an angel investor in the United States mm-hmm. invests exactly 10% of their capital in new ventures. So it actually, the market is sort of also determined that 10% feels about right. Awesome. So there is this logic. And I, I really uh, like uh, like the logic that you just explained. So, um, you know, one of the things I came across, and this, I, I must admit, I didn't know before I kind of reached out to you, is is this um, connection with FOMO and Patrick McInnes. So it, I just realized that you were the one who coined this word uh, long, long back, uh, which is the fear of missing out. So, uh, you know, I think most of my listeners by now know what FOMO is, but then is there, is there a connection between FOMO and this 10% entrepreneur mindset that uh, you talk about, uh, Patrick? I mean, I mean, just to clarify my question, do you think there is this fear of missing out that actually makes someone a 10% entrepreneur? And I just don't want to miss out, so I just let me try doing something with the 10%. Yeah, it's a really good question, um, and I don't think I've ever had it put to me quite like that before. So, so I, I appreciate the question. It's a good one. You know, I think I think they are related because I I the story behind FOMO was that when I was a student at Harvard Business School, I noticed that my classmates and I were constantly trying to to do many, many things at once. And we were always trying to be sort of optimizers in our lives. Hmm. And to me, that that was different than the life I had lived before. And I noticed that that was special. And at the time, that was very much a a kind of a Harvard thing. But I think with social media, um, it's not just about sort of super overachievers that have FOMO anymore. It's really anybody because we can see what other people are doing at all times. Hmm. And as a result, I think because we've had we're living in a time where technology has become very accessible and cheap where we can try and test things without having to go in full a uh, full barrel and we can be more experimental and and also at a time when we see lots of people doing this and we see lots of upside and opportunity that's new and and that didn't exist 5 or 10 years ago because of technology it's natural for us to feel like we want to experiment and dabble in new things and try to be a part of that movement and try to be part of the upside mm. and so i think fomo is a is a very natural uh natural sort of thing to have and it's also a 10% entrepreneurship is a really great way to to address your FOMO because you can in fact try things Mm. feel like you're actually living a life where you are engaged and and doing the things that you wish you could do but you're doing it in a way where you don't have to throw all of your resources into it or have to risk everything in a way of optimizing your life to allow Mm. you to do things that you care about and wish you could do right right so let's let's take a step back for a moment. Let's go back to the year 2008. You kind of um, chose to take the step of doing a 10% or giving away 10% of your time and energy and resources to do something. What was the first 10% project that you took up? Just curious. Yeah, so the first one I ever did. So I did not, I mean, I, now it sounds like very organized, right? It's sort of like that classic Steve right. Jobs quote about life always looks very well ordered when you look behind you. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I really, I, I didn't even realize I was actually, I, I didn't quite know what was going on. But a good friend of mine uh, called me up and said, I'm working on a startup. 
and it has to do with YouTube celebrities. And we're going to actually get YouTube celebrities to promote videos made by brands. And we're going to get paid by click and we'll have a rev share, a revenue share with the celebrity. Mm-hmm. And he was working on this idea and he said, I need help. Um, I can't afford to pay you, but I need meetings and ideas and another person here to help me with it. Would you be interested in helping me part-time mm-hmm. on a very part-time nature? I will give you uh, some stock in the company and a share of whatever revenue you generate. And so I thought to myself, well, this is kind of interesting. I've never done anything like this. I've never sold anything. This doesn't even really exist at this point, right? It's very, this is very early days of a startup. But, you know, there's very limited downside as well. And maybe there's some upside in the stock and being an owner and learning what it means to be an entrepreneur and trying something new. And and so that was the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the beginning being quite uh, uncomfortable, actually, because mm-hmm. we were – this was really, you know, as, as anybody who's ever had a startup mm-hmm. knows, we, those first pitches that you make, you're really – you have – you're sort of fake it till you make it. You're right. selling something that doesn't even exist, and you're trying to convince people to give you money or run a pilot or trust you mm-hmm. to see if your idea works for them. And so I had always been in the world of venture capital and private equity and where things were you know, inside of a corporate environment where things were much more systematic and orderly and neat and not so messy. Mm-hmm. And I was totally terrified. I, I would sort of wake up in the middle of night in night sweats thinking that we were going to fail. Mm-hmm. But in fact, um, my my partner, uh, Marcelo, he, he was, he made it all kind of come together and it was very successful. And so I realized through that experience, number one, that entrepreneurship is inherently uncertain and you have to be able to sort of accept that and and know that you are selling a dream a little bit to people and that there is some risks around that. But number two, I learned that actually you can engage with entrepreneurship on a part-time basis and actually have a meaningful impact. And so that was my my big insight from that experience, and that's what got me started on the path. Beautiful. And it's been close to a decade now since you started thinking about it and doing this 10% entrepreneurship thing. So, And you've been, you know, I'm sure teaching a lot of people, coaching them uh, on this as even while wearing the venture capitalist hat, which we'll talk about later. How have you seen the most successful, you know, 10% entrepreneurs pick their first project or the consecutive ones, first few projects? So the people who do well at this, it's quite interesting. Um, We can talk about the people who don't do well as well, but Mm -hmm. the people who do this the best for me and the ones that inspire me and the ones that I sought out when I wrote the book because I interviewed Mm -hmm. probably 50 people all over the world, there were a couple of unifying characteristics. The first thing was that they had realistic expectations of themselves. They knew how much they could sort of dedicate in terms of resources, in terms of time and money Hmm. in the beginning. And so they set up achievable goals. It wasn't that they were, were trying to overnight build a company out of nothing and do something that was completely unrealistic. They were they were very pragmatic. And I think this whole idea is very pragmatic in terms of going about doing their business. And so they had patience and they scaled it up slowly, building it slowly over time. That's a big part of it. The next thing I think, um, I have three, so that's number one. Number two is they did things that really leveraged what they were good at and what they enjoyed doing. So they found things that that felt uh, when they did them that they felt that they could be successful at, but also that they enjoyed because 
Mm. You know, if you're going home on Thursday night and you get home at 9.30 and you don't enjoy the work, you're probably not going to do it. You're going to end up turning on the TV and then, you know, that's it. And so these people found things that they – they actually that made them feel more alive and more engaged in the world that they lived in, and I think that was really uh, important for them. Um, and the third thing that people do really well is they're not shy about asking for help. And so if you can go out there and realize, by definition, you're giving ten percent of your time, so you cannot do it all alone. You've got to sort of leverage people around you or even reach out to people you've never met before to get them involved mm-hmm. and get them to help you. If you can do that, that makes everything work better. Wow. So it's being realistic about uh, what, you know, about timelines, especially, or, or let's, let, let's call it resources. Second, mm-hmm. being able to do what they love. And finally, you said, not shy of asking for help. Now, let's talk about the second one that you talked about here, which is uh, do what you love. So is there a connection that you see where people who, try to ride on their personal strengths, tend to succeed with the 10% entrepreneurship more compared to people who just try to, you know, do something because someone else did it? Yes. And that is, so I had this, I was working on a couple of different 10% with a friend of mine Mm -hmm. and he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. So this guy is, he's a physicist and a lawyer, Mm. (laughs) which is, you don't find that every day. And we were sitting down looking at different business ideas and we were brainstorming and we had a whole list and we would get together every week to try to come up with 10% to work on together because I really like this guy. We have complementary strengths. Mm. And I remember in our early conversations as we made the list, we had both worked together at an investment firm and we had one idea which was related to that space. How can we work with investment firms to help them create a service around um, – Uh, accrediting their investors, which is something that's a pain point for them. And we could have done that as a 10% and it was kind of interesting. So we thought of that idea and then he said, what if we create a new type of camera that does X, Y, and Z? Hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, that's a cool idea that that you and I should never do. That's just not a fit for us. We have no knowledge. I mean, it sounds quite obvious, right? But this guy's really smart. And I think that that's one of the things that I see is, is that I see people who try to do 10% that are completely divorced from their skills and, and knowledge base. And, and that makes it much harder. It can be, it can be that you say, I have a dream to build a company and XYZ industry and I know nothing about it today. And mm-hmm. what I would say to you is, before you do that, go out and build some knowledge. So I, I once knew a guy who was an investment banker, and it was his dream, and this is kind of crazy, but it was his dream to start a Belgian-style um, French fry mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. And so what he did is he actually started working in the evenings at a French fry store to learn how to make them. So like he built the knowledge before he went out and did it full time. And what he learned in the process was he actually hated it. And so he never ended up doing it. But that's what I think is so critical is if you are playing within a field where you have knowledge, when you are playing to your strengths, you are just, it's, it's, you're just naturally going to be much more efficient, have much better contacts, have much better insights and be well more positioned for success. Beautiful. Beautiful. So um, one of the things, right? I mean, I I keep talking to people, uh, entrepreneurs and people who love to make stuff. And uh, and advocate this whole uh, thing of doing side project and learning from that. And every time I talk about this, right, Patrick, the question I get asked is, you know, many people uh, have come back uh, asking this question that is blogging a side project 
What do you think? Is it a side project at all, Patrick? Okay. Here's how I define side project. I love this question. Um, so blogging's great. And blogging is a is a I do blogging as a way of building my profile and it was a great way for me to build my network and it's a great way to just um, put content out into the world that will, as you know, as a podcast creator, you just don't know where that content goes and what, what it will bring you in the future in terms of connections and ideas and community and all these really great things that come out of building content and creating content and sharing it. So that's all good. If you, uh, 10% entrepreneurs, uh, are people who there's really one fundamental thing. It's that you are the owner of something you are or not a freelancer, and you intend to turn that into something where you will be an owner of that, and it will be a conferencing company, a brand, then that's definitely a 10%. If you were writing a blog, um, and that's kind of the end-all, be-all, just to create content, that's a great endeavor. I wouldn't call that 10% entrepreneurship, because you don't really own anything that is revenue generative that you could potentially sell someday in the future. Obviously, Ariana Huffington created the Huffington Post, which she was able to build a company around and sell, and so that is... That is definitely a great example, but if you're writing posts on Medium and that is that is the the sole sort of objective, I would not call that a, a, a ten percent entrepreneur project. Right, and if you're doing the blogging with a serious intention of actually, uh, you know, growing revenue through advertising or whatever forms it could be, or selling content, then that could be perhaps called as ten percent entrepreneurship. Would that be? Definitely. I think it's about creating a media brand. Really, at, at the end of the day, 10% entrepreneurship, it, it, to be very sort of like, to put it in a very simple term, um, if you are building something that will never exist beyond you, so say you build something and then in five years you decide to uh, disconnect from the world and move to an island in the Pacific and your company no longer exists, mm -hmm. then you haven't created anything that you really have ownership over. You want to create something that potentially you could hire people you could even sell it someday and that's that to me is the, the big difference between freelancing and 10% entrepreneurship oh yeah beautiful I have heard Seth Gordon talk about it once where he talks about mm. doing when you do something yourself and when you try to pick yourself out of that equation and it dies then that's freelancing if it can live without you then that's entrepreneurship that was something of the of that nature so oh, I haven't heard that. It's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, let's let's move on here. So you, you you've done this now for ten years, uh, close to ten years, at least, and uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons. And I'm sure you're very confident because we learned. All right. I hope you've been enjoying this conversation with Patrick McGinnis. And, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, like I said, very surprising for me that he was the one who actually coined that word FOMO, which I actually discovered just before the interview. But I think the conversation kind of went very well. And we went on to talk about a lot of other things as well, which you'll kind of hear in the next episode. Uh, we talked about some of the biggest mistakes Patrick had made uh, early on in his career. And, um, and also he talks about... Uh, you know, how 
he has seen the best of these 10% entrepreneurs that he has invested uh, money and time in, um, you know, do what they are uh, good at. And also, he talks about uh, the 10% entrepreneurship for wearing his VC hat, the venture capital capitalist hat. And he talks about how he looks at 10% entrepreneurship as, um, as someone who's investing uh, money in something. So, uh, we we have some fantastic conversations coming in the next episode. But that said, I think what you heard in this episode has been pretty interesting to me. It was very interesting to uh, hear um, you know hear him talk about how he started his uh, first um, you know ten person entrepreneurship gig. Of course, he started with something that he was good at because he is someone who's who's gone to uh, Howard Business School, worked in the Wall Street. So obviously, he's good at money. I mean, um, or, or rather, he's good with money. So he started to um, do his ten percent entrepreneurship by investing in in um, you know startups. So and and you need to just think about what you are good at. So that's the exercise for you. Just go back and think about what you are good at, and I really, really push you to do and take your first step and do your 10% on entrepreneurship or side project, whatever you choose to call, just do it. Go think about uh, your strengths. Think about uh, what you are good at. Uh, sometimes we don't understand what we're good at, but then there are ways to figure that out. Go listen to the Friday 15 episodes. You'll get some tips because I've talked about this early on in the Friday 15 episodes. So go listen to them and go give it a try. I think... No matter what the outcome is, the learnings are so, so important. 